0: Welcome to Watershed's July podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove. I'm the cinema curator here at Watershed. And this month we're talking about Cinema Rediscovered. And I'm joined by Tara Judah, who's a writer, critic, and broadcaster. Um, And as I say, we're going to look at a festival that's coming up later this month called Cinema Rediscovered. For me, Cinema Rediscovered came about through Going to a great festival in Italy, in Bologna, called Il Cinema Ritrovato. It's a festival that I've been going to now for about four or five years. And what I've discovered at that festival is an amazing appetite for from audiences um, to see older films on the big screen. And it's an extraordinary celebration of, I guess, the history um, and the art of cinema. And you know, one of the most, I think one of the turning points for me in realising how important it was, was a screening of John Ford's My Darling Clementine. A film which I hadn't seen for, for years, and I was sat in a cinema in, in the festival. There about 500 people, it was packed auditorium, and the director of the festival, sadly the late Peter von Bach, introduced the screening and he said, he simply said, this is the greatest American film ever made, which sort of threw me somewhat because I thought to myself, it's not even the best John Ford film ever made. For me, John Ford was the searchers, man who shot Liberty Valance. My darling Clementine, as I say, wasn't even the best um, John Ford film. By the end of the screening, I agreed with what Peter von Bach had said and I thought to myself, this is indeed the greatest American film ever made. And I thought about that uh, sort of epiphany um, from the festival and realised that what it was, was I hadn't seen my darling Clementine on the big screen with an audience, and in this case an audience of 500, p- appreciative. But the thing was, the important thing was that that John Ford film from 1950s or whatever, it came alive again and just struck me how powerful it was in reminding you of seeing that film. And and for me, the importance of the history of film being shown in cinemas, and so that was a was as I said was a kind of pivotal moment. And I came back to uh, Watershed in Bristol, and I thought there's a great past to cinema that's not being that's not being seen. And then um, a few months back, got together with yourself, Tara, and some other uh, cinephiles in Bristol, and we've put together Cinema Rediscovered. What what for you? is um, the importance of um, seeing these films back on the big screen and of rediscovering cinema.
1: It's a really similar story for me, to be honest. So when I was a teenager and I grew up in the suburbs and there were no cinemas where I lived and I came to cinema really through my love of Shakespeare. And it was a friend of mine who was studying Hamlet at her school and had said, we're going on a field trip to see a version of Hamlet at the cinema. Would you, we know you love Shakespeare, would you like to come with us? Uh, and I'd never been out to the kind of, this part of Melbourne where it was in this amazing cinema. And it was a 1936 single screen purpose built cinema that had 1110 seats, so huge auditorium. And I saw, it was like being born. I saw a 70 mil print of Kenneth Branners Hamlet with a thousand other people mm. <laughs> in a cinema. And it was the most remarkable thing I'd ever seen with the intermission, with the curtains opening and closing, with the the grandness of the venue. It was really an awakening. I didn't know cinema could be like that. I didn't know how wonderful it could be. And later, uh, I actually worked at that cinema. I was so drawn to this place. Mm. It was somewhere that I discovered So much. I mean, I I would never have seen, I saw my first introduction to things like Cary Grant movies, Audrey Hepburn films. I saw *Dust Boot, Ben-Hur, The Great Escape, all of those movies for the first time in that cinema on the big screen and they made a really big impression on me as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And when I went back to work there as an adult, The thing that really reminded me again of why it's so important to see these films on the big screen is that I'd never liked 2001 a space odyssey I'd watched it several times in college and I'd watched it several times on small screens Mm. and I'd I'd never understood why people thought this was such a magnificent film and then We showed it at that cinema the Astor in Melbourne and I watched it in 70 millimeter film print with Six-track magnetic sound and I could hear breath in the soundtrack Mm. that I didn't know the film had. And it was a completely different experience. It was as if I had never seen that film before. Mm. And I don't believe that the previous viewings were watching that film. Mm. It was not the way it was intended. It did not have the depth and the detail. You couldn't see the clarity in the colors and the differentiation in the blacks on screen. None of that watching it on a DVD at home. I just Mm. didn't get that experience at all. And suddenly I realized why people love 2001 A Space Odyssey because it's a magnificent film. But you need to be immersed. And I think the thing about cinema and cinema going is that it's certainly in part about the content of the film that you're about to watch, but it's an about the the occasion as well. It's about the anticipation you feel as you go into the cinema, how exciting it is when you see the film open up on screen, when the lights dim, when everybody suddenly holds their breath and is, is agreement in the room that we're all gonna sit in silence together and experience something. Mm. And that, I think, is just an irreplaceable feeling. And You cannot have that. There is absolutely no way you can have that experience watching something at home. Now, you can have a really great setup in your home, but it isn't the same. Uh, Your attention isn't commanded in the same way. You know, cinema is a power relation, and when you go to the cinema, you give yourself to the screen. You give yourself to those filmmakers, to everything in that room that has been put together. And it's a craft. It's a filmmaking craft on the screen. It's the craft of the people in the cinema, the projectionists, you know, the ushers, everybody who's put everything together to make your experience a certain way down to the cleanliness of the place that you're in you know so everyone has done something that is completely unnoticeable and you should never really think about in in one sense but they've all pulled together and done something to create an atmosphere for you and the other people you're with so that you can genuinely engage and have an ex- have a remarkable experience for a couple of hours completely just nothing to do with the outside world and i think that that is a really beautiful thing, it's something I really strongly believe in, and it's something that I love to be able to share with other people. So my journey to um, cinema is one through my love of film, but also through my love of cinema going as an event. And I think that's what made me so excited about Cinema Rediscovered is that this is an opportunity to remind people that great films are important, but they're also important if you see them in the right way. And, And the right way is not necessarily a prescriptive way, but it is about that communal shared experience, mm. sitting alone in the dark for a couple of hours um, and really surrendering to the screen.
0: Well, I think that's what happened with me with my Clementine story, was that I I, say, I I don't say it lightly when I say I hadn't really seen it. Because, I mean, I had seen it, but it was on television. It was a matinee screen. You know, it'd be on a matinee screen. <laughs> it'd, been, it'd been on at lunchtime or something uh, on a Saturday uh, when I watched it as a young, as a youngster, um, and I might have watched it a couple of times since, but always on the small screen. And what, as you said about the the the, the art and craft of filmmaking, what I realised at that moment seeing it in the cinema was that you know John Ford was a great filmmaker of films for cinemas, and that he was thinking in a particular uh, cinematic way. Um, I mean, it wasn't it's not widescreen, it's not scope. I think it might be a uh, the Academy ratio, even uh, Madame Clementine. But the, the, there is something that is. Irreducibly cinematic that requires it to be seen on a scale of a screen, whereby you know the the, the television screen or your computer screen can't do that, as well as um, the the you giving yourself over to it, because of course you can walk away from a computer screen, you can walk away from your phone, mobile, whatever. Whereas when you get into the cinema, you're you're held there, and it's up to the film then to to keep you, and obviously. His storytelling skills, storytelling of the the filmmaker is what then begins to hold an audience.
1: The other thing about the cinema screen is that, you know, these these filmmakers have selected their team. They've worked with cinematographers and we have a focus on a cinematographer in Cinema Rediscovered, who pick the lenses and carefully create and frame and construct a shot, not to be seen on a 13 inch laptop, mm. but, for the proportions of a cinema screen. You know, they, they're bearing in mind while they're creating these films, how it's going to look on the scale of a regular cinema screen. And, you know, I mean, of course, those are of varying sizes, but they're of, they're of a much bigger size um, than what you would have at home. And so what, you do lose something because it's it's not intended to be seen in that way. I mean, you wouldn't go and look at, you wouldn't look at a photography exhibition you you know in a ga- that's playing in a gallery you wouldn't look at that on your phone and think you'd seen the photography exhibition you would know that the actual scale of the work itself mm. is important and it's the same with any art form is that the scale is obviously relevant um and it is made for this particular size and also i think you know a lot of people forget how important the sound is in cinema mm. and that that the way in which cinemas are created for sound makes such a difference to how you experience the film. I mean, you might have a good speaker set at home, but certainly if you're watching something on a laptop or on a television and it's coming out of the regular speaker system, you're not getting the immersive experience and you will lose something in one of the channels. And I think that those things, they're the subtleties Mm -hmm. that really create what's remarkable about cinema going.
0: And I think it's that idea of being an art form, which you know other art forms have the way in which they're presented, um, I don't, and it shouldn't be exclusive. But the, you have a, you have national galleries, you have museums, you have these collections of places whereby the work is preserved and presented, and people expect that. But with film, and because of its industrial, partly its industrial roots, it's very uh, disposable. So uh, you know, films would be constantly being made, thro- shown, and then you know discarded. Uh, whereas I think what um, the festival in Bologna, Chino Travato does, is it, it brings back from that disposability and says, now these are great works of art. Um, whether it's you know Rebel Without a Cause that was restored um, a couple of years back, or uh, Usman semben's uh, Black Girl, they they're being kind of brought back from that moment of. Um, going out into the industrial world of cinemas and actually saying, No, oh, these are great works of art. And festivals like Cinema Retrovato and hopefully Cinema Rediscovered will be about saying, You know, come and appreciate these films for um, the many qualities that you've said about you know, artistic, but also where they fit socially and culturally as well. So, what are you looking forward to in Cinema Rediscovered?
1: That is a huge question because there is so much. I mean, some of these films I've seen before, some of them I haven't seen, some of them I've seen but not in the format that they'll be presented in. Uh, So that in itself is really exciting to me that there's a lot to discover. Um, There's a film called A Flickering Truth that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Pietra Brett Kelly made this film about, I think it's 8,000 hours of, of cinema that essentially had to be hidden during the conflict in Afghanistan from the Taliban, um, and this is a really important piece of film history. And this is film that this is one of the reasons that you know we need to keep film is because it tells us so much about society. And there's lots of societies that you know their history has been lost, the cinema has been lost, and we don't we don't have that information. And I think sh- shining a spotlight on the importance of that is something that I'm really keen to see in that documentary. There's a lead into the festival of Tarkovsky films, which is extremely exciting because I've always thought that, um, I have seen some, but not all of the Tarkovsky films, and the reason for that is because I won't watch them on a small screen. Mm. I refuse, I'd rather have not seen them until this point um, and wait and have the opportunity to go to a cinema to see the ones that I haven't yet seen because I think that it's cinema that absolutely requires a big screen and an immersive environment. So I'm really excited about seeing those. it's a program that's bursting with life. I mean, you know, a, a restoration of Jack Clayton's, a UK premiere of Jack Clayton's Room at the Top, I think is really exciting as well. I love Jack Clayton's cinema. Um, it's really important. British cinema It is a pioneering film and the change of direction in British mm. cinema. It's where social realist drama really started to come to the fore. Where studios realised that, oh, actually, maybe audiences aren't too fragile to watch this kind Mm -hmm. of film. So, uh, moments like those, breakthrough moments and breakthrough films uh, are the things that I'm most excited Mm -hmm. about. Um,
0: There's there's also, uh, you you, you know, that context of uh, the social realism in, in, in British cinema, and kind of what became, unfortunately, known as kitchen sink. Uh, drama. We, we've we've also got the premiere of the great historical costume drama, um, *Man for All Seasons*, uh, and *Line in Winter*, which were kind of *Wolf Hall* before uh, *Wolf Hall*. You know that that the great success that um, with the the novel and then the television adaptation. But you can see that Britain was doing these two things. You know these really um, extravagant, sumptuous, uh, amazingly acted costume dramas whilst also exploring this new social realism of the late 50s, 60s Britain. And so you can see those two moments um, and put them together and try and reflect on what uh, was happening in British culture at that point, Uh, and also, as you mentioned earlier, the retrospective of um, the great cinematographer, Douglas Slocum, who died a few months back and aged 108 or something. I mean, an amazing career over um, not just British cinema, but um, also uh, American as well. And we've got Matthew Sweet, who was interviewing Douglas Slocum just um, up to when he died, hopefully um, doing the sort of definitive book on uh, Slocum's career. And Matthew's going to be around and talking about the influence and impact of this um, great British uh, cinematographer.
1: What's your major highlight, or the thing that you're looking forward to the most?
0: Well, I think it would—I think it would be um, *Ganja and Hess* mm. um, as part of the um, Black Atlantic uh, Film Club screening. This is a kind of cult, legendary film coming out of, uh, sort of black exploitation in America, um, and sometimes that can—that genre can be viewed as as being really um, throwaway, uh, but actually really important as a. Sort of social, cultural moment, particularly for African Americans. Uh, and Ganjan and Hess really plays with the, the, the genre um, and actually black exploitation, but also vampire uh, genre as well, to offer a critique um, of uh, America at that moment in time. And I think it was going to be really interesting to see how that plays today. Um, hugely influential on directors like Spike Lee, uh, Charles Burnett and that wave of, of black American um, directors, but also very, very rarely screened. Yeah. And we're getting the 35 mil print from a Museum of Modern Art uh, in America. Um, so it's one of those moments that I think will be very precious. Um, and uh, as you said earlier, I mean, it, it can only happen in these kind of festivals or events whereby you're tracking down that print to show it, to put it in front of an audience. I'm sure it's available on, uh, may well be available on the internet somewhere, who knows? Ah, But But I don't think you'll have seen it (laughs) in the way that uh, you'll be able to see it at Cinema Rediscovered.
1: No, it's that scarcity as well, isn't it? That, you know, this is is the only opportunity to see Mm. that film in this way, in this moment, here yeah. you know in in bristol we won't have this opportunity to see genger yeah. and hess in 35 mil regularly yeah. this is a very rare screening um and i think the the rarity of it shouldn't be underplayed the fact that this is a remarkable print that is being brought from the, mm. from moma over to bristol uh, the only screening i think that's taking place in the uk so a, a really unique opportunity mm and there's going to be something really special about that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same as watching the movie at home on DVD. Mm-hmm. You know, This is a really unique opportunity, and, and that film is a, a really amazing film. Um, the Black Atlantic Cinema Club strand has been programmed by uh, Karen Alexander, writer, curator, and a really uh, amazing selection of films that I think have been rarely screened, if screened at all, mm-hmm. in Bristol. Um, so you know, this is also an opportunity to see the kind of cinema that we don't normally get to see.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, um, going back to the archive, uh, the importance of archives, is we've got a screening uh, as well from Bristol's own archives, Bristol City uh, Archive. Uh, and I hadn't realised the extent of this, but Bristol's um, archive includes the Commonwealth Film Archive. So there's an amazing um, range of uh, films from the British Empire, as was, when people were going out, um, colonising other parts of the world, um, taking their cameras with them and filming them. So you get these extraordinary historical moments of that period, which are going to be represented for us um, as part of Bristol uh, City's Archi- Film Archive uh, screening. But also, Tara, you've put together a programme, because it's not just um, narrative work that we're screening, you have also exploring the outer, outer limits of the, the, the screen.
1: Yeah, so Experiments in Aesthetics, this is a program that looks at the screen itself, I guess, as a, as a surface. I mean, we consider the screen to be flat. Uh, But actually, the texture of cinema, I think, is antithetical to that. It's not always a flat screen, and I'm not talking... I mean, there is a 3D screening in the program of Wizard of Oz, but this is not that kind of depth of perception, but this is the way in which some filmmakers really work with the medium, or they work with the, the idea of the actual textuality, the materiality, of the film and that's film and digital actually. So the first film in the program for uh, experiments in aesthetics is a Richard Tui film called Fly Screen and that uses optical uh, printing and optical sound as well. So it's a 16 millimeter film print it'll be shown in 16 mil. And the image that's been imprinted onto the film print also, like in a rayograph, also runs into the sound strip on the film. And so you actually have the sound is caused by the image. Um, and the sound that that makes when it goes through the projector. So it's a really unique way of working with film. Um, There's also a film that takes another film and pixelates it to create a new piece of work uh, by Barbara Latanzi. And there's three films from the Lima archive and they all work with different ideas of the aesthetic. Um, I don't wanna to say too much about them because I, I, I think they're really interesting to be surprised them. by. Yeah. yeah, but certainly one too that explores the idea of what's beyond the cinema screen in the cinema mm-hmm. space and the auditorium and how that creates part of the experience as well. Uh, so exploring the ideas of what cinema is as well you know not just watching great content and great films. certainly there's plenty of that in the program but also thinking about what is it that this art form cinema is and how do people work with that Mm. to create effect
0: there's also opportunities for young people to Find out more about what makes a moving image.
1: Absolutely, there's an amazing drop-in hands-on workshop, so it's free to attend, subject to the capacity. But this is an opportunity to really see how the concept of moving images work. Um, and we're really lucky; we've been loaned some replica models from the Bill Douglas Cinema Museum in Exeter, so that we can show thaumatropes, zootropes, praxinoscopes, etc. Those kind of early cinema items that paved the way for moving images, and what we really learn about that, in, in, and it's because you can get involved and you can draw your own images mm-hmm. and create your own praxinoscope image, which I think is really exciting because it makes a difference when you do it yourself, um, In into seeing that's the principle
0: mm-hmm. for
1: flickering, moving images. And then obviously there's another transition when we get to digital, but that kind of through line and that concept of how did this start? How does it, It because it's it's magic, right? Mm. Like, you know, how does the magic of cinema work?
0: A single image uh, made made to move, which you can do with a, a, a little flick book and a, a pencil. Yeah. Um create, <laughs> create your own Wallace and Gromit. You can,
1: <laughs> you can. and I think that's really <laughs> exciting. I think it's great to know that, you know, this is not, some far-reaching formidable Mm. art form this is a really exciting art form that people can get engaged with
0: and very hands-on as well that you can actually make the objects which is which is what's great other parts of the program include a complete screening of mark cousin's epic and entertaining story of film also free to attend also free to attend and we will be there um because we're interspersing it with conversations about cinema. So it's very much a a kind of drop in and and people can watch episodes and then we'll um, have a chat about films, cinema, rediscovering cinema. Uh, There's also a trip to Curzon. um, The Curzon
1: Cinema and Arts in Clevedon, which uh, includes a tour of the grand old cinema. It's one of the oldest continually operating cinemas in the uk the original site was from 1912 Uh, so you'll be able to explore the actual grand building itself behind the scenes the projection booth um what's up in that balcony that we don't get to see right now uh there'll be a Christie organ demonstration they have a beautiful Christie organ at the curzon as well as a screening of a kind of loving on the friday afternoon which is also showing at the watershed so there's an opportunity to explore cinema history as a picture palace history as well. Um, and they'll be having hands-on workshops on the Saturday too, and also a screening of Wizard of Oz, so you won't miss out if you live in Clevedon or if you live in the surrounding areas and you can't quite get to Bristol. Uh, I think it's really great to have that engagement across uh, a partner cinema uh, like the Curzon, which you know just has such a beautiful history in the Southwest so there's there's so much in this program there's going to be a film fair in Waters, watershed as well so um some opportunity to get get more involved and there'll be books and dvds and blu-rays and things like that on sale too so if you want to explore a bit more in that sense that will be happening um there's a britain on film pod that's going to be at watershed
0: there, there is indeed um which is the british film institute's archive of britain on film and that'll be accessible um, in Watershed Cafe Bar through uh, interactive screen. So there's, there's lots to lots. discover. Lots. We
1: haven't even mentioned it all. <laughs> no, there's
0: lots to discover, and there's lots to rediscover. Happening at Cinema Rediscovered in Bristol and Clevedon at Watershed, at the Cousin in Clevedon between the 28th and the 31st of July.
1: If you want to find out more, if you want to keep updated with what we're doing, you can go to watershed.co.uk forward slash cinema dash rediscovered, but also you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So there is a at Cine Redis uh, is our Twitter handle um, and we're facebook.com forward slash cinema rediscovered on Facebook. So you can get in touch and find out more there. um, And somebody does monitor that. So you can also ask questions um, if you have any. And there's an opportunity to get a, a a weekend pass. And I think if you're organized and early you should probably do that because it does give you greater access uh, to more of the screenings and it means that you'll probably be able to avoid some of the last minute missing out of sold out events obviously you can buy individual tickets as well but the, there is a pass for the whole thing and i think if you love cinema and you love cinema going it's really the way to go
0: you'd be a fool to miss it thank you very much tara thank you mark that's all for this month